Hello and welcome to Handelsbank and Insights. I'm Daniel Marnie. On this week's episode, uh, we will firstly take a look at inflation as April's print comes up this week. We will also look at consumer confidence and employment and see what that's telling us about the UK economy and then conclude with the spotlight on the prime property sector. Uh, today, I am joined by James Sproul, Handelsbank and UK's Chief Economist. So, James, as I said in the prelude, we've got uh, April's inflation print coming up this week. Uh, expectations are that we're going to see quite a big drop in inflation. Um, is that what you're expecting? It is. And in fact, as you say, this is a really, really critical week. Uh, if the number that comes out on Wednesday morning uh, starts with an eight, I think the Bank of England is going to be pretty disappointed and uh, we can look at revising our rate expectations as how quickly we're going to be falling uh, and whether, in fact, we need an, another rise or not. If it begins with a seven, I think there's going to be a good deal more relaxation. So, OK, it is, in fact, on the way down. The base effect, i.e. measuring today's prices against the prices of a year ago, that has fallen away. And the result of that is that we can keep on track for in a 4.5% to the top of the, the rate rising cycle, and we can look a bit falling from here on in. But there's a number of things going on here which are really, really important. Uh, and if we look at what's driving inflation right now, there's two big things. Uh, one is energy prices, and that's the bit we're expecting to fall away. The second is wages. And we've seen wages and earnings coming through. Um, and that's, of course, um, been something that we've been putting up for some time. We've been expecting wage rates to fall less quickly than the Bank of England has been uh, expecting them to fall. And, of course, the Bank of England recently changed their inflation outlook uh, to say that they weren't, in fact, going to fall below their 2% target level uh, in 2024. But, in fact, uh, they don't, don't see that happening until sometime after 2025. Now, that's been our forecast for quite some time. And it's largely because we think that those wages are sticky and we're seeing a good deal more of that as well. So um, I do think that we're going to see a big fall. Uh, our expectation is that the number is going to begin at 7. Uh, that's going to be great news. Um, but at the same time, we have a lot further to go on, on all of that. So I think consensus expectations think it's going to go down to 8.2%. That would have been nearly two percentage point drop. But judging by the sounds of it, I think you'd be a bit disappointed by that. And secondly, how, how, how are businesses coping at the moment with inflationary pressures? Yeah, my, my expectations were a little bit lower, as you say, that I think so 7.8, 7.9. So I'm a little bit below consensus on that. But we'll, we'll have to see how it comes out on the, on, on the time. Um, I think one of the more interesting questions is is how, how business is coping with all of this. We can look at are businesses expecting prices to, their input prices to increase and are they expecting to be able to pass on those price increases to their consumers? And the answer is they are expecting um, uh, prices to increase and they're not expecting to be able to pass on as much of those rises. So business um, margins are taking the hit. And that's, that's going to be um, really quite challenging for a lot of businesses. And, you know, there has been talk about um, in, in recent weeks, are we seeing a, a degree of corporate greed coming through here and the business is expanding? If we look at the market as a whole, um, we see that business profitability and, and margins have been relatively steady. But if we strip out oil and gas companies out of that, uh, we can see that actually UK business profitability has not been that great. And I think a lot of that is down to the fact that um, those businesses are feeling that big margin squeeze. They don't think they can pass on the full uh, impact of the costs, their increased costs to the consumers. And the result, of course, is uh, a bit of a squeeze on profitability. So you mentioned in one of those answers that wages are a very major factor in terms of what's spurring inflation at the moment. We obviously last week had some employment and earnings data. What did that tell us? 
Well, first of all, let's look, look quickly at employment. The employment picture, if we look just at the unemployment figures, continues to be pretty good, 3.9%. Uh, we're only expecting to go to 4.5% in, in this slowdown over the course of this year. So again, historically, really low. So that's that's a very positive thing. And that's not just positive because it means fewer people facing the, the, the strain and stress of being unemployed. It also means that when the economy turns and business is able to um, you know, either give employees pay rises or, or bonuses or more overtime or various other things, they are you know, that much quicker for that to feed through to consumer behaviors because people haven't lost their jobs and they're not feeling the, the bruising and scarring that, 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 that often accompanies that type of a, a life event. So I think that that's pretty positive stuff. In terms of the employment numbers or the earnings numbers, we are looking here at that number falling away a good deal less quickly. So yes, we have had about 6.5% uh, earnings increases. And I think there's an expectation because people don't look at just what's happening today. They look at what, when, what's happening over their last 12 months and they see their uh, earnings capacity, their real uh, earnings ability has fallen away and they want compensation for that. And they, they, so they are pushing um, quite understandably, for uh, some of that past couple of years of negative real terms wage growth, they're pushing for some some compensation on all of that. So I expect that to be something that really continues out throughout the rest of this year and probably into 2024 as well. Yes, and I suspect that's a major reason why the Bank of England uh, upgraded, if you like, its inflation forecast, thinking that inflation is going to be higher for longer now. Yeah. So James, we also had consumer confidence figures out last week. Um, for a while, it's been historically depressed. Are we seeing any encouraging signs there? Well, yes. Um, it's fourth month in a row up, but it's it's the problem is it fell so very very low last autumn. So September October of last year, plumbed um, all time lows since the, uh, the the forecast began or the, since the index began in 1974. And as I constantly tell clients, um, this is not the worst circumstances we've seen since 1974. So I think that the Great British consumers sort of got something a bit into their head that things were, were really, really dire when, in fact, of course, they were, they were certainly not great, but nothing like as bad as, as previous uh, issues that we faced. Uh, so what's going on right now? Well, uh, the consumer confidence figures is filled with, uh, comes together with five different elements about how do you feel and how do you, do you feel about the future? How do you think that the general economy feels? How does it feel about the future? And are you planning on making a big purchase? Now, interestingly, on that last one, are you planning on making a big purchase? This, I think, is really key. It's key because, one, the number came up, so people are feeling like they're going to be making more of a big purchase. It's, that's, again, it's come up to a level which is still pretty depressed, but a lot better than it was last autumn. One of the keys looking at the UK economy over the next couple of years is do consumers have enough confidence to start making big purchases? We know that certainly the people in the top half of the earnings spectrum have managed to put away a good deal of money over the course of the pandemic, just under £200 billion in personal savings accounts. One of the questions we've had is when will people start to spend that? And some, some people are thinking, well, they never will. And I, I don't think that's likely. I think it is likely, though, that people are with, uh, wanting to spend accumulated cash on big purchases. People don't want to spend accumulated cash if you've managed to accumulate five, ten thousand pounds or maybe even more. You don't want to sit there and say to yourself, well, I'll, I'll spend it on a few nights out. I'll spend it on, on, on ongoing expenses. They want to say, I'm buying a new car. I'm you know, having my house extended. I'm, I've got a big purchase, which is going to be uh, coming through and all that. And so if we see the confidence to spend the money on those big purchases coming through, I think that's the sort of thing that will drive the economy in the longer term. But we need to see a, sort of a continued secure expansion of the economy 
to trigger that level of confidence on, not just from contemplating, but to actually making the purchase. So that's something we'll look forward to over the course of this year. Uh, we'll certainly keep a very, very close eye on it. So far, I think the signs are marginally positive, but as I say, more to go. Okay, and it'll be interesting to see what the PMIs do. Uh, obviously, the composite PMI was above 50, indicating expansion, so it'll be interesting to see whether that's sustained. James, if we can conclude on prime property, defined as the top 5% by value within a certain area, I know you've been looking at trends within the UK and also London compared to international centres. Can you just outline what you've been looking at? Yeah, so um, as you said, the top 5% of... Um, so looking to our, our great friends at, at Knight Frank and Savills, both of whom have some really, really good... Uh, property indices and what's going on with all of that. Um, what we've seen in general is that uh, there was undoubtedly over the course of the pandemic a dash for space that certainly benefited country house, uh, house prices, but also benefited sort of um, bigger houses with more space further out from, from central locations. I, I think there's been a bit of a correction on that coming through. In general, though, we are looking for prime property to, to uh, a little bit further to fall over the course of in, in line with the, the property market as a whole now. As I've said before in, in previous podcasts, uh, we are looking for about an 8% fall from peak to trough for the, the residential property market overall. Not quite as much for the prime property, but certainly a little bit of softness over the course of 2023 uh, before it starts to recover. Do keep in mind that prime property tends not to be mortgaged. Prime property's driver tends to be you know, um, people selling out their businesses or, or having a lot of capital to spend, uh, a portion of which they're willing to spend on, on a prime property. That's a different from the normal market, which obviously uh, mortgages play an enormous part. So we don't look at Halifax or, or um, nationwide indices here, which are mortgage indices. We look at um, just these, these super prime properties. Also interesting to look at what's happened in terms of London versus other cities. Uh, so London's, it's come up a little bit in the last year or so, but in general, if we look at since 2016, it's, it's quite clearly languishing. Um, I think a lot of people might put that down to Brexit. Undoubtedly, that's an, an element of it, but I don't think it's the whole element of it, uh, in part because, of course, we can also look at the other British city that's tracked, and that's Edinburgh, and that's gone from strength to strength. So, um, I mean, I think that the the factor with Edinburgh is it started out very low uh, for an international city. It was particularly affordable properties, and people have appreciated that, and therefore the prices have gone up very, very high uh, quickly there. Um, and then we see, of course, microcosms of other cities. Um, so we can see, for instance, the Stockholm, and we know the Swedish market has, has had a pretty torrid time in terms of property, and that's certainly reflected in the top end there as well. Places like Paris, um, done a little bit better than London, not quite as well as Edinburgh. Um, so we've seen a lot of different differentials coming out there. So I think the starting place matters immensely. And what's going on in terms of how attractive of you are, are you to um, those, those high net worth individuals who might be wanting to purchase into your, into your area. And here, I think that the final thing is to say that whilst UK undoubtedly faces challenges, um, these are not unknown challenges. And so the government itself, of whatever colour, I'm sure will be looking to make sure that it remains an attractive destination. So I would expect to see um, uh, government reaction to any bigger decline within the London market to be pretty rapid. Yes, and interesting that Stockholm's been particularly badly affected even compared to the UK. And I know in a future episode we'll be speaking to colleagues in Stockholm about that very issue and various other things. James, thank you very much for those insights as always. And if you've liked what you've heard at home, don't forget to race on the app where you're listening because it helps other people find us. And you may also want to share this episode on social media. We look forward to you tuning in next week.